0: One-week season. OWS fam, the nation, my dudes and dudettes. We are here. We made it to Best Ball Plus 2023. Welcome. We are going to kick things off here shortly, but I quickly want to take a moment and direct everyone to the, all the content that is on the site for launch. What you can find there is everyone who purchases the Best Ball Plus package will have access to an underdog specific course. That covers a lot of the basically baseline info that we need to know: expected value, some exploits, some deviations, and some optimal theory. From there, you also find uh, top three hundreds for both underdog and for um, DraftKings. You'll also find um, some proprietary tools that we built specifically for this course or this product launch, Um, and we will also have a written work that will basically explain how to maximize um, those tools and how to get the most out of them. Um, You will also find some other written works uh, and you'll find other written works throughout the rest of the spring leading into the summer. But when we were building this package, we wanted to really find out how we could maximize our time with each and every one of you. And we settled on the best way to do that was to basically treat these as one-on-one coaching sessions and the best medium to basically Affect that game plan was through these podcasts. So, five days a week, Monday through Friday, for the next 18 weeks, you are going to get a podcast released. Um, And on Mondays, you're going to get this podcast. This is basically our week um, in review, our looking ahead, our news around the industry, our look at major ADP movers, and basically gives us a good starting point for going into the theory discussions that we'll have. Tuesday through Friday. On Tuesdays, you'll get a 30 to 60 minute podcast from Mike covering DraftKings contests. On Wednesday, you will get a 30 to 60 minute theory podcast for Underdog from myself. On Thursday, you will get a 30 to 60 minute podcast on game theory from myself. And then Friday, we will be bringing in industry experts from around the industry. Uh, to be able to jam. We're going to try and get a lot of those up in video format and posted on YouTube, uh, but those Tuesday through Thursdays are only going to be available for the paying subscribers for the Best Ball Plus 2023 package. With that, those who are new here, I am Hilo. I'm going to bring in my co-host for and co-designer of this package, uh, Mike Johnson. Mike, how are we doing tonight, man? Hey,
1: terrific. excited to be here. excited to kick off best Ball Plus plus twenty twenty three and you know, coming off the NFL draft. I don't think uh, there's a more exciting time uh, other than right before the season starts and when training camp kicks off. But uh, right now in May, it's or April, may, uh, it's it's exciting to it's exciting where the industry's at where this point in the year, it's you know, there's so much focus on football.
0: Yeah, and obviously with this podcast coming out the Monday following the NFL draft, that is going to be a large portion of what we're going to talk about. So I want to throw it over to you, and I want you to give me your top rookie landing spots from a fantasy football and more specifically a best ball perspective. Uh, And we'll start at quarterback and running back.
1: So quarterback for me, Anthony Richardson, Drafted fourth overall to the Colts. Uh, Shane Steichen, new head coach, formerly the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. And Richardson is just, you know, he has all the tools in the toolbox, athletically, physically. Um, you know, he's just the complete package in that regard. And the way Steichen used Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, you know, he, he knows what he's got. He, he's going to be, he's trained in using this weapon. So it's going to be, a really exciting time um, and Richardson's just the prototype of what we look for in fantasy and specifically in baseball and DFS because he has that huge ceiling that rushing ability uh, that raises his floor and ceiling we saw what Justin Fields was able to do uh, at points last season and Richardson has a probably a better team situation probably a better coach uh, coaching situation and you know, his, his schedule is pretty, pretty juicy, too.
0: Yeah, I think you nailed that one on the head. Um, the what stuck out most to me through that whole situation over the weekend was the fact that we kind of got it alluded to by St- by Steichen that, you know, he's got a chance to be starting week one. Um, he was asked in a presser in his post draft presser, like, hey, what do you make of, of Richardson's um, lack of experience, lack of of passes thrown at the high school and collegiate level. And he basically came back with the best way to learn is to play. And so that's, you know, reading between the tea leaves here, reading the tea leaves here. Um, we could see Richardson start the season as the starter, which would be a massive boost, obviously, to his fantasy expectations. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, we have to also acknowledge the downside. Obviously, he does not have the experience. Um, he is not a polished thrower. He has a you know around a fifty percent completion rate at the collegiate and high school level. Um, so there's there's definite risk here, but the upside is absolutely tantalizing. What about running back? I think this one should be fairly obvious,
1: yeah, so Bijan Robinson, the eighth overall pick, goes to the Falcons, who were. You know, by pretty much any metric, one of the top rushing offenses in the league last year. And he kind of rounds out that team's offensive skill core with uh fellow top ten picks, Drake London and and Kyle Pitts. So yeah, it's uh it's a really interesting situation there for him. Kind of puts Tyler Algier on the back burner. Um, so it's yeah, it's a tough, tough little run for um for Algier supporters. But yeah, Bijan, he's just, you know, a generational prospect, as they say. And it, it really is true for him. He just, you know, for two years, we've been waiting for him to come out and he landed in a terrific spot. And, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed with what they get from him.
0: Yeah. And talk about not just the schematic fit, not just kind of what they're we've seen over the past season with them, but they, they've got a top six, seven offensive line. They have 100% offensive line continuity moving into uh, 2023. So yeah, absolute nut landing spot for Bijan. Um, we were waiting to see anxiously if he was going to go in the first round and then he goes in the top 10. So we kind of know Um, the history of running backs that are selected in the top 10, we're probably going to see some fairly heavy usage out of him as well. Um, Best highest graded running back prospect to come into the league since Saquon Barkley. uh, And we kind of know what we get out of him. So um, love that. I want to hear your wide receiver landing spot, because I think we might be different here. So throw me your top rookie wide receiver landing spot.
1: So my favorite rookie wide receiver landing spot is Quinton Johnston for the chargers Um, for me, it comes down to, he's just got such a crazy athletic profile. Uh, Most of the other top wide receivers in the draft are a little bit smaller. There's a lot of guys who are like under 190 pounds uh, among that top group. And um, Quinton Johnston though, he's like your prototypical alpha wide receiver big, strong athletic. He immediately goes to a uh, high-end offense who has Kellen Moore now calling plays, uh, which is an upgrade. They've, he's got Justin Herbert, um, you know, and I think there's very real possibility when you look at uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, where they are at in their career arcs, that Quinton Johnston could be the wide receiver one for the Chargers when we start 2024. And when I play ball or fantasy, do fantasy drafts, or even in DFS early in the season, I try to locate those guys who I think that at the start of the next season are going to be much, have much higher values than they currently do. And Johnston fits that profile to a T. And, you know, know, he has that with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams um, playing along with him. He has great mentors. We're going to teach him how to be a pro and kind of refine his game, which is, which is what he needs. And Every NFL team pretty much plays a ton of 11 personnel. So even as the third receiver, he's going to be on the field a lot. And then I think his athleticism just takes over.
0: So we are different. Mine is actually Jordan Addison in Minnesota. You look at what head coach Kevin O'Connell has kind of done in his, you know over his first year with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins attempted 643 passes last season. That was the most of his... Oh God, 11, 10 year career in the NFL. So 643 passes, they let Adam Thielen walk and it's basically they have Justin Jefferson and then who. So I think Addison is going to step into this wide receiver two role, or at least he has a, a good chance to do so um, and really put up some nice numbers uh, there in Minnesota. So I really like that landing spot a lot. Um, I think in the same vein as as you were talking about, uh, with QJ is Zay flowers who went immediately following him in the draft to the Ravens. Um, that his, his speed is almost exactly what that offense needed. You know, they brought in Odell Beckham. They have um, Rashad Bateman, but they were really missing that like guy who can just stretch the field. And now that we have Todd Munkin coming in as offensive coordinator in Baltimore, Uh, we're likely to see a very different offense than what we have seen in the past. So all three of those landing spots deserving of a shout uh, for the wide receiver position, Jordan Addison probably gets my nod as the top. What about this interesting tight end class?
1: So, you know, I absolutely love the player fit and team fit and scheme and everything for Dalton Kincaid. Um, You know, not really going out on a limb here. He was the first drafted tight end, but he's an elite athlete. He probably would have been drafted higher than he was, if not for a back injury that, you know, took him out of the end of last season and he didn't get to work out in the pre-draft process. But um, the Bills are generally one of the sharper teams in the NFL. They traded up to get him. Uh, He kind of has a lack of target competition behind Stefan Diggs. So Diggs is obviously the alpha wide receiver there. Um, but then we've seen Gabe Davis. Um, he's kind of a, a boomer bust type guy, but he is not like a, a dominant type of uh, target earner. And then there's just a lot of opportunity after that. And the Bills love to throw it. They love to push the envelope. So um, when they tell us that they highly value a player like Kincaid, who he can essentially work as a slot receiver, everybody's trying to downgrade Dawson Knox right now, but. Uh, they can play together. Kincaid can work as like a big slot. Um, he's I have him as my tight end 11 right now and a, a high priority target.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit more unheralded here. And probably this is probably a homer take, but uh, I really like the fit for Luke Musgrave. It might not materialize this season, but him being able to grow alongside all the youth that they have on offense in Green Bay um, is very, very tantalizing from a uh, from an upside perspective. I mean, he's got a 94th percentile speed score, his 40-yard dash in the 88th percentile. He's 6'6", 253, with an arm length of 32 and 5 eighths inches. Big, big dude out of Oregon State. His athleticism score is off the chart, 115.8 from player profile. That puts him at 15th out of the... 467 tight ends that they have ranked over the previous what 10 years um so that is an interesting athletic profile again rookie tight end coming into a new system and they have a lot of moving pieces in green bay um but worthy of kind of a third tight end on a roster kind of last round dart throw i think for sure uh what are your feelings on musgrave
1: uh, I like your take, you know, and obviously, you know, Kincaid is going to be, he's going to be a little more expensive. He's, you know, I have him ranked higher probably than most, but he still is going to be a guy who probably ends up in that like 11th to 13th round range where Musgrave, he he has that athletic profile, that upside and he's going to be available in like the last round of drafts. So I, I really like that. And that Green Bay offense, um, you know, with him and, and love going late and you can, you can take some shots in best ball and, and pair those guys and high upside um, with unknowns. That's where you're going to find profit.
0: Yeah. And really the only Packer who's being, well, I mean, the only pass catcher on the Packers that's really being drafted high up is, uh is Christian Watson. Obviously you have, um, you have Aaron Jones going in the first three rounds Uh, But behind that, it's like you can get Romeo Dobbs late you can get uh, some of these tight end flyers uh, like Luke Musgrave um, and some of these other youth at uh, the Packers have at their disposal as well. Fairly late. Um, So definitely we'll get into kind of the theory behind that. But these we call it a backstack. The backstack potential on the Packers is very, very interesting this season um, from the sense of their quarterback is going late there. They have some primary pass catchers that are going late as well um i dig it man anything to add kind of um with like the top rookie landing spots around and we're going to jump into some theory stuff real quick after that
1: uh just jameer gibbs stands out as 12th overall pick and there's a lot a lot of talk around the detroit backfield the last few days but um you know he he could be everything that we always wanted deandre swift to be and then some so you know that's
0: uh, (laughs) too soon man (laughs)
1: <laughs> Pretty exciting
0: spot, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Swift <laughs> Truthers. Yeah, that's painful. That, that 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 whole thing materialized fairly quickly. That was kind of crazy to see. um Yeah, I dig it, man. Let's talk about wh- why rookies are really well. Let me rephrase: rookies are extremely valuable and viable in a best ball format for two very specific reasons. One, they start the draft cycle. When we talk about draft cycle, that is the entire window that you can draft in a contest. So for BBM, for example, it opened the Saturday right after the draft, and it's going to close on September 7th, right as the NFL season is kicking off. You also get these other snapshot contests. I'm going to speak specifically to underdog here. Contests like the puppy, like the Superflex, puppy, like all these different contests where the draft window is only three weeks, only a month. Whereas now we have like a full three and a half month window to draft these BBMs. So when you talk about ADP, dynamic ADP, how ADP changes, um, how, does dra- or how does underdog even measure their ADP? Well, for them, it's a two-day rolling window. And all the drafts that are completed within that two-day rolling window are updated and create new ADPs. That's why you see risers, fallers, and it's almost like real-time um, updates. If you don't draft for a couple of days, uh, thirty-six hours, you're gonna see new ADP when you jump into the lobbies. So, why jumping back to rookies? How they fit in there is rookies are, you know, by and large, just a blanket statement are going to be undervalued the sooner in the draft window that you are drafting. And then things are going to adjust. ADP is going to get more um, precise. And then towards the end of the draft window, ADPs are going to be at their most optimal state. And you've lost out on some of this potential to gain um, an ADP advantage. Also, rookies are very important to best ball format because a lot of the time, they are starting the year slow at depressed ADP and then they're basically kicking it up and blowing up in the second half of the season where all the money is in these contests. So those are the, really the two big contributing factors to like this theory of drafting rookies early in a draft cycle. And that is why we're hammering on this discussion in rookies uh, today to kick off kind of our um, our basically exploration into the theory of best ball. Um, any additions to that kind of diatribe I just went on.
1: Yeah, so prepping for this this discussion, and I, it's this I agree completely with everything you just said. And then as I was thinking deeper on it, like my theory mind started, the wheels started turning. And so I was thinking about with the new BBM4 format, you know, does that kind of change and hurt the rookie value? Because those slow starts, they're going to hurt you a little more if, you know, five or six weeks of a player, you know, playing sparingly, not really super involved in the offense. You know, that's a, if a third of the prize pool is coming out of that first 14 week window, um, having more players that are not contributing as often that, that can kind of hurt your expected value was kind of the thesis that I was going through in my mind. And then taking it a step further, um, looking at where the rookie ADPs are currently, it feels like they're already like the, the market is kind of already bumping a lot of these rookies, especially the higher end ones. Um, you know, I look at like the first round wide receivers, JSN is uh, already a fifth round pick and, um the other three first round receivers are going in like the 8th round so it feels like the market has kind of already shifted you know and you
0: know maybe there's a little reversing of the of the theory that is a definite something that had crossed my mind and i kind of went through the exploration of that through the lens of ev in the course that everybody that subscribes to the package is going to get. So I don't wanna go over the numbers. Um, I will save that for the loyal subscribers who are gonna, um, who are who are paying for that info. Um, but that discussion on EV for the BBM contest is 100% fully covered uh, in the Fundamental Core Best Ball Plus course. Um, that you will all have access to. Again, if you have not checked that out and you are a subscriber, go check that out. It's a quick read, um, sub 5,000 words, but all the calculations, all the data um, is, and all the theory kind of for a baseline theory assumption is in that document.
1: Perfect. And if you're not a subscriber, those types of theories and questions are the types of things we're going to be digging into for the next four months. So Up in
0: those streets. Yes, sir. And this is going to be released on Monday. If you do subscribe by the end of the day on Monday, you get a fat $100 discount on the package. So definitely jump on that. Furthermore, if you were a subscriber for the promotional Best Ball Plus package that we ran last offseason in 2022 for the right price of $1, you are more or less grandfathered in and you get this uh, $100 discount um, basically whenever you do choose to sign up if you do. So definitely um, jump in there. There is going to be a wealth of information that we're going to cover here. Uh, I dig it, man. Let's um, Now I want to talk a little bit about some sleeper rookies. Are there any guys, and I'll just throw it over to you as an open-ended question, are there any guys that you think are kind of going overlooked based on their landing spot? Uh,
1: so the one that stands out to me is Marvin Mims uh, receiver, taking the last pick of the second round by the Denver Broncos. Um, he has analytically, he really stands out. Scott Barrett uh, over at fantasy points. He's kind of been pounding the drum for Mims for a couple months uh, on Twitter and, and, talking about him and and a lot of other respected draft type people had, were really high on him entering the draft. And then he gets drafted by the Broncos, who um, Sean Payton's the head coach there now. Payton, I think I saw a thing. there's He's only drafted three receivers um, in the first or second round during his time as a head coach. I think Robert Meacham, Brandon Cooks, and I'm blanking on the third one. Um, But the third one was also very, oh, Michael Thomas. Uh, So a pretty good group to be in. And with all the smoke that we've had uh, around the Broncos with Sutton or Judy potentially being traded, um, I think Mims is like, if if those two stay, he's a perfect complement to them as like a slot receiver. And if one of them goes, uh, it's wheels up and he probably ends up in like a 10th, 11th round range by the time September comes.
0: Yeah, I like that call um i think it's probably a cheating for this question but uh it's because we're talking about sleepers and he's he's getting some press uh but devonta chain over in miami just like you talk about like the perfect fit for his skill set and kind of the coaching scheme that is there um i would still label him as a sleeper based on his adp in this early window I have a confession, dude. I am already 10 drafts in to the BBM four. (laughs) it launched yesterday. That's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk about why I did that, um, on my training session on Wednesday, but, um, yeah, Devona chain, basically all three running backs in Miami, uh, Raheem Mostert, you have Jeff Wilson and now Devona chain, uh, are all basically these screaming values because there's three of them and people are scared of that. And there's this ambiguity. Um, there's these, this unknown factor. So um, the fact that all of them are seeing depressed ADPs because the field just kind of doesn't know what to do with them. Uh, we'll talk about how to handle that as well um, in future episodes, but um, he stood out to me as pretty much this like optimal marriage of skill set scheme and now depressed ADP.
1: Yeah, I like that. Uh, McDaniel was pumped about him in the press conference too.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. McDaniel, I that's there's few things in in football that I like more than seeing Mike McDaniel pumped up about something. That dude is so <laughs> passionate, and he's just so animated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we digress. We're going to shift our attention over to losers. <laughs> whether that be a veteran, uh, for a rookie that was drafted, um, or a rookie that just kind of landed in a really, really poor spot. Um, so I'll throw it over to you again, open ended, uh, give me kind of a, a big loser from the draft.
1: So I already mentioned Tyler Algier, um, the Falcons so I won't go back to him obviously adding Bijan is is a, a big downgrade but uh the one that stands out to me is uh David Montgomery who he still has like a fifth round uh ADP and you know I'm not even sure where people stand on him but the way I look at it is um what's changed is basically Jameer Gibbs replaced DeAndre Swift and the Lions hated Swift and they love Gibbs. So uh, for Montgomery, you know, on the surface, his role kind of stays the same, but I think there's a much greater chance that um, he becomes like a a complete backseat player to Gibbs uh, than there was that chance for when Swift was there. So, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly where the market is going to land on that, um, but you know, I think I think Gibbs is the future there, and uh, Montgomery just relative. I think he'll still be solid, but relative to his fifth round draft capital when um, that, which is where I, he went in the draft that I I did yesterday, um, that's pretty that's pretty expensive for me for kind of the, the Jamal Williams plus role, um, you know that that type of thing. Uh, Williams was a great a great value obviously last year but he was going in the 10th to 12th round so I think if Montgomery if he were to be like a seventh rounder uh that'd be a lot more interesting to me.
0: Yeah I like that good I like that shout a good bit. Um I'll throw out Izzy Abika Abic- Ab울- Jesus um go and that talk about like a just a crowded situation to enter. Um obviously getting drafted to the jets um not the place where i wanted to see his athletic profile go um he could still carve out kind of this change of pace slash third down passing down type role Uh, but he's got additional bodies to go through um that i would have liked to see uh any take on that call
1: yeah i i agree there he's the guy who you know to reference back to the um, a chain in Miami, you know, if you flipped where those guys landed um, the, you know, the excitement levels would also be flipped. So that's just, especially at running back where a landing spot can be so important um, and can have such a huge impact on, on the potential upside. And I, I totally agree there um, because he's got a, he's going to have to earn his way on and um, he's not just, he's not going to, a place where there's veterans who might be a little washed up, you know, they've got Brees hall there and he he's got some work to do just, just, to, you know, see the field.
0: Yeah. The, I think the quote the, out of the the presser in New York uh, was that they liked him because he can also return kicks and it's like, Oh, that's not what you want to hear, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh shit. Okay. Well, that's a sunken cost. Um, yeah. So that would be probably my biggest losers. Um now I'm gonna throw you a question. Have you started drafting? I kind of I tipped my cap there earlier, but have you started any best ball big contest drafting yet?
1: Yeah, I just I did one BBM4 today, uh just the one. So I'm not 10 in like you, but um yeah, I got one in and and
0: wet my beak a little bit and and, uh yeah got the juices flowing. Oh dude, and they flow and they flow. I couldn't stop. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm not addicted. I swear. <laughs> no, there, there's a very specific reason why I wanted to, and I I'm, I'm allotting myself 20 and I will get into the reasons why I wanted to hammer those early as possible. Um, and yes, I know the schedule doesn't come out until another two weeks, uh, but there's a very specific reason why I did that and why I am doing that. We'll cover that on Wednesday's uh, Underdog Theory podcast, um, other big news around the NFL that happened um, leading up to the draft, post draft, um, anything that really kind of piqued your interest as something that is that is pertinent to us here?
1: Uh, we talked. You talked a bit about Todd Monken and Baltimore, and I think with Lamar signing the big contract and then Flowers being drafted, all of a sudden uh, that offense looks looks dynamite, um, and, and you can really pounce, pounce on that. Uh, another thing I, I saw today, uh, something that I guess I kind of knew, but I didn't know when exactly it happened. But so tomorrow is the – tom- it's either Monday or Tuesday of this week is when teams can sign veteran free agents, and it doesn't count against their comp pick calculation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt – Um, those types of guys who are sitting out there without a team right now, uh, they'll, they'll probably be signed in the next, you know, the next week or so. And, and that can change, uh, you know, we just talked about some losers, um, and that can change for a lot of other guys. I think of guys like Rashad White in Tampa, who people I've seen trumpeting, he's a big winner from the draft, but, uh, that, that tune could change very quickly. So. For people who are drafting right now, um those are some guys where you might be able to get some some three or four round value uh, by picking them towards the end of your drafts.
0: That brought up a very interesting point. And I want to quickly turn our attention to running backs who were dubbed winners of the draft, whether it be they didn't team didn't take anybody or you know, or I guess extend that throughout the rest of of off season and in free agency as well. The big ones were really, to me, Rashad White was getting talked up. I have not taken him in any of my 10 drafts, um, but I have taken a lot of guys going around him um, to kind of play up that same profile. Primarily, the big winners to me were Joe Mixon and Mm -hmm. and Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of unknowns there as well. Um, And James Conner was a massive winner to me they only have like Keontae Ingram backing him. I mean, they, get, they have some other bodies, but it's like, it's just Keontae Ingram. And we've seen kind of what Keontae Ingram is and how he is still not pro ready. Uh, so yeah, James Conner, I mean, he's sitting in like the eighth round right now in, in early BBM drafts. And I've been, uh, I have probably had a little bit too much and I'll probably slow that down. But um, that's a guy that I could see his ADP jumping significantly over the coming weeks yeah um,
1: even even like a Josh Jacobs, who you know he's being drafted in the third round right now, yeah, despite being, you know, a basically first round production last season. And a lot of that's driven by people thinking, well, the Raiders aren't sold on him. They gave him the franchise tag. They're going to bring in some other guys. Well, free agency's coming gone. The draft came and went. Um, and I don't think that they're going to go get like a high profile running back. I think they're just going to run the tread off him. Uh, And then let him go next year.
0: Love that call. I scooped, I'll toot my own horn. I scooped some fourth round Josh Jacobs today, which was amazing. Oh man. Uh, Yeah, I was, uh, I was enjoying that. Um, Could not agree more. I mean, they just fed him uh, the, they fed him a, a crap ton of touches. They basically their offensive line maintained continuity and they blocked to the league's highest adjusted line yards last season. Um, and it kind of came together out of nowhere because they they came into the season with like a 17th, 18th ranked, ranked, expected offensive line. But, um, and you look at the continuity and coaching, what has changed there? Well, nothing, and if that's a situation I like that shout a good, a good bit here. Uh, anything else that kind of struck you at the running back position?
1: Um, no, I think. I think we kind of touched on most of it. You know, yeah. J.K. Dobbins seems like he's probably healthy. We just talked about Baltimore, um, but they didn't add anyone. Uh, so that that seems promising. And if that offense really does uh, take off, I mean, wow.
0: Yeah, I like that shout a good bit as well. Um, any closing remarks, dude? That's going to do it for our, our inaugural, our kickoff episode here. Do you have any other Closing remarks, any shouts you want to make for any DK-specific stuff coming up?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, we'll keep our eyes peeled. Uh, DraftKings is, uh, you know, that's part of the edge, right, is they don't give you the same information that Underdog does, um, and, you know, you can't see your exposures. And we'll talk about a lot of those things uh, within the product. But, um, you know, once they put out some contests and and we can kind of go from there, Um, you know, that's, that's kind of my bread and butter where I like to, uh, attack. I like the extra roster spots and just, um, taking advantage of the fact that the whole industry talks about one specific type of contest on one platform. So, uh, being able to exploit, uh, those mindsets, uh, being used on a different platform, uh, that should have, you know, different optimal strategies is, uh,
0: that that's where I'm coming from. Let's go, dude. I absolutely love to hear it and see it. That's going to do it for the first episode of the Best Ball, 20, Best Ball Plus 2023. I am Hilo. He is Mike Johnson. Find us on Twitter. Find us in the Discord. We will see you tomorrow now for you guys for the DK session from Mike.